0: scumbags this is the scummy mummies podcast
1: with your hosts ellie gibson and helen thorne
2: Hello and welcome to the Scubby Mummies podcast. I'm Ellie Gibson. And I'm Helen Thorne. And our guest today is none other than Claire Balding! Hello. Yes!
1: Sorry, I should have said TV's Claire Balding. Do you prefer that? Usually, No, Claire? What? no. Do yeah. you know, you can go with whatever you want. I just thought you were going to leave a gap and then I was going to say Claire Balding. Oh, you're right. See,
2: this is why she's a professional broadcaster and we're doing this nonsense, Helen. She's better Absolutely. Can we do that again, TV's All Claire right. Balding? Do you mind? No. Um, okay. Um, Hello, welcome to Discovery Rose Podcast. I'm Renee Gibson. And I'm Helen Thorne. And our guest today is none other than. Claire Balding. That's great, Claire, but could you do it again? Could you say TV's Claire Balding? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> no. Hello, welcome to the Discovery Rose Podcast. I'm Renee Gibson.
3: Yay! I'm Helen
2: Thorne. And our guest today is none other than.
1: TV's Claire Balding. <laughs> She's so then happy you, to be then here. You have to use the first one, whereas I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it all in Claire. It's Are all you? broadcasting all
2: gold. Yeah. It's broadcasting yeah. gold. Oh, gold. thank you for being such a good sport, Claire. And speaking of sport, <laughs> do you see what I've done? Do you see? What I'm basically like, watch out, Richard Madeley. That's what I'm saying. I'm coming. Have you with... met?
1: Actually, have you had Richard as a guest?
2: And not as I've been. I've been on um, the right stuff, and he was presenting it. And I love. I love
1: him. I he's, properly love him. Exactly, and he's amazing. But you've got to get. He's got so many good stories. You've got to get him on. Oh, oh we well. will.
2: And he's a dream. In fact, anyway, dream. thanks for coming, Claire. I've got to go. <laughs> okay. I've got to send <laughs> someone a text. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Richard, quick. <laughs>
2: now, Claire, we do have listeners all around the world. We have listeners in uh, Vanuatu in the South Pacific. We've got where, one listener there. Where That's Prince Philip is a god exactly exactly so they're probably having a very difficult time hopefully this podcast is helping them through so yes for for anyone who is not familiar with your work or perhaps well let's just how would you describe yourself tv's claire balding who is tv's claire balding oh
1: boring overachiever who a bit like helen who admits to being a show-off that's probably me too desperate (laughs) to constantly please my parents and make them one day say they're proud of me um or even just notice (laughs) me um and in a very happy relationship said so that's good I found someone who loves me um, and I love her so that's good and I yeah I present a lot of stuff on the telly but haven't done much in the last year because all the things I would have done were cancelled because of Covid so I decided to you know write a book <laughs> I've written a few books I wrote the first book I wrote was called My Animals and Other Family about all the animals in my life to make up for the lack of human emotion obviously in a typically middle class British family where one doesn't ever say "I love you" um, or or touch. So actually, COVID's been fantastic. <laughs> it's like, no a relief! It. Well, that's normal. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> no, it's pushed you I... further apart, which is what you've always wanted.
1: Uh... I jest. When my mother sees extracts of this in print, it really won't say. Sound... It won't look so good <laughs> as, as I'm saying it. Um, no, I, I wrote a book that came out in 2012. And 2012 was sort of a weird, weirdly successful year for me um, because of London, the London Olympics and Paralympics. And I worked on both. And as the Paralympics finished, my first memoir came out and went straight to number one, which was crazy because then I thought, oh, that's what, you know, that's what happens in the book world. <laughs> Five books later, I realised it doesn't always happen like that. Um, but yeah, I, I do lots of things. So I do TV, radio and I write.
3: And you do a podcast and like some radio. Did you do a lovely thing about walking and dogs and things? I have
1: presented a programme called Ramblings on Radio 4 for the last 20 years, which I know mm. I don't look old enough for that. But I was, you know, I started when I was a child um, and I walk all over the UK. So I have the most fantastic time. I was down in Sussex walking with Cressida Cow the other week, the author of How to Train Your Dragon. And the week before that, I was up in Yorkshire walking with Kay Meller, who wrote The Syndicate. Now, I don't normally, write, I don't normally walk with, with people you would have heard of or necessarily writers, but it just happens we had two in this series. Um, and I walked, oh, my God, I had a fantastic walk in the Peak District with a woman who has set up a group called Black Girls Hike. Rihanna, she's called. And, my God, she was bounding up this mountain, and I suddenly did feel my age. I was like, oh, but what we're coming down to go up again? Why are we doing that? Why can't we just stay up once we got up? That's my favourite thing of everything I do, actually. And that goes out on BBC Sounds, and there's about oh two thousand editions of that. So you're really I love
2: I love the rambling programme. Listen to it a lot. Um, uh, I, I've dabbled I've dabbled in rambling. Uh, me and my dad uh, about ten years ago, before I got married, we did the coast to coast walk. Oh wow! Um, did you? And I think if I'm completely honest. I think our favourite thing about it was for me and my dad. It was basically a 192-mile pub crawl. Um, be honest, Claire. Is the best bit about rambling? Is it the actual rambling, or is it the cream tea or the pint of lager of an afternoon? The cream
1: tea is quite nice, but we don't get that on BBC expenses. So oh. it is the walk. Quite oh, <laughs> occasionally, of time. the best thing actually is when a guest brings chocolate brownies or flapjacks or something with them. Doesn't happen oh, often yeah. enough. I think we should put that into the, you know, into the email that says we're going to meet here. And by the way, you are required to bring, yeah, something. Yeah, you're putting on a
3: spread. Yeah, to yeah. keep the
1: presenter happy. Otherwise, she maybe has a some, bit of a sugar low. You know,
2: maybe some hash brownies. Let's liven up radio for a little bit. Let's get down with the young youngsters. Let's, yeah.
1: What do you think? Well, I don't know. I don't <laughs> be know a different what kind of show. It would, but also I don't know what effect they'd have on me. Oh, I don't well, know. Are immune? Not... I don't know because I've never had them. Would <laughs> they not send me to sleep a bit? No.
3: You can go either way. You can go to sleep, or then you can talk too much, or then you can just giggle, which that's usually what happens to me if I if huh. if if I had had them. Um, yeah. So yeah. Or perhaps you put you put a Tracy Chapman record on, and then she appears
2: over your bed playing the guitar. But that's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd love. To, I think this is a this is a off show. I think this could be great television. Actually, BBC Free, I think they'd go for this.
3: we we'll picture Green- if you like, Claire. Green walks, Ellie. Green walks. Uh, Nice. Nice. We've gone off piece. I I wanted to say one of my favourite things I see you in is of course Crufts because I'm a massive dog fan, but also it's (laughs) I thought you'd say because I'm a massive bitch. And it's just a weekend of joy like I, it is just delightful um that that weekend and 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 you know not just the dogs but the drama and the owners and and everything so is that is that been one of your as well oh, as yeah. walking in the countryside
1: and for the benefit of your listeners around the world Crufts is Sorry. a massive dog <laughs> show um and they always say it's the biggest in the world and i think it, it is because the because the big rival to it in america is is huge have you ever seen the have you seen the film best in show Several times, absolutely. One of my favorite films. When I first presented Crafts, which was ages ago on the BBC, they the guys who were the experts and still are. So Jessica, Jessica Holm, who actually is the illustrator for my for my children's book that eventually we'll talk about. um, Jessica is the real dog expert, and Frank Kane is the other main commentator. And both of them said to me, "You've got to see this film, but don't see it until after you've done Crafts once, because otherwise, you know, it'll sort of blow your mind." And I oh, I laughed and laughed because there are so many things in that that are spot on. So hundreds of different, hundreds, obviously, of different breeds. And one of my, because I'm very competitive and I love nerdy information. One of my favourite things when I'm out walking is spotting a dog and saying, oh, that's Papillon or, oh, that's a Legato Romagnolo. And, you know, oh, being you. <laughs> yeah, and being right until they turn around and go, actually, it's Labradoodle. Um, oh, it looks like a Legato Romagnolo. Um. So I quite like all the information you have to learn about the different breeds. And we spend four days, you know, the dog showing. Obviously, it's the reason the show exists. But actually, the programming around it is what really matters to the viewer. And that's the bit that I kind of invest in. Because once the showing starts, I'm just there to interview the winner. You know, I watch and I think... That Labrador looks a little bit fat to me, but I don't say that out loud. Because um, the show ones are, they are, they're just a bit bigger than, you know, I'm used to working Labradors, not, not mm. show Labradors. Um, and yeah. occasionally I get very excited if a boxer makes it through, um, mm-hmm. through the working group. And that has happened a couple of times. So then I get the winning dog of the group up on the sofa with me, and that's lovely. And spin off a whole load of facts about that dog and interview the owner or the handler. Which sometimes goes better than others, um and it's international, so quite often we'll get like we had a Russian what was the Russian dog um a couple of years ago, a little black dog it a Scottish terror? It might have been anyway um we we get we get obviously the top dogs from around Europe and America compete as well, and that's one of the reasons why it couldn't really happen this year, so they delayed it from March to June, and then it's been now it's been called off altogether
0: because oh, I of
1: no. the restrictions on travel. Um, so I'll look forward to doing that again in March. But I do enjoy it, and thank you, Helen, for for being a loyal viewer.
3: Oh, I love it! And my favourite dog of all time, of course, was was it Fabulous Willie?
1: Fabulous Willie was a Tibetan Terrier <laughs> who was yes. the grandfather of my dog Archie. And Shut Archie, up! Yes, the actual grandfather. So I got quite emotional because um, I knew them, and we'd picked Archie up as a, obviously as a puppy from their from their kennels, and I was like, Fabulous Willie is one show. <laughs> How does it feel? You know, or words to that effect.
2: Do you ever when you're interviewing these dogs and meet these dogs, do you have you ever had a dog? You know, dogs can sometimes just take against a person. Have you ever had a dog where who's like oh, screw you, TV's club holding. Oh, something like that.
1: <laughs> there are some where I certainly wouldn't... I'm quite respectful of them because also they're show dogs, so I don't want to mess the hair up. You know, I don't want to get in there and go, oh, hello hello. Um, and, and at least I do know enough not to put my face down there and give them a kiss Unless, But generally what happens particularly with the ones that aren't show dogs so we have lots of other dogs up on the sofa that they just decide that's a really comfy place to be and they'd quite like to actually sit on my lap and lick my face so mm. half my makeup comes off um, but i get a really nice cuddle so that's all right
2: where do you stand on, I can't remember who it was, Helen, but didn't we once have someone on the podcast who, like, tongue-kissed their, not t- tongue-kissed, but they allowed their dog to put no. their tongue in their mouth? No, just, No, I, they
3: feed that. what was it? Sorry, Helen. No, no, no. Um, uh, a uh, author called Lindsay Kelk said she liked to feed her cat pizza from her own mouth as uh, a special treat.
1: I have fed carrots and polos to a horse with my, with but your that's mouth. different because they don't lick you. <laughs>
3: It's it's. It's not different. I'm trying to think of the logistics, Claire. Because they got really
1: soft. Because you can do that, and they'll take it from your mouth. You know. So they got a really soft muzzle. I used to do that.
2: <laughs> Instead of touching an animal's time. mouth with your human mouth, which for me, perhaps I'm uptight, perhaps I'm a prude. I don't know. That feels thing. like a little bit far. But uh no, if you enjoy it, knock yourself out. I suppose. <laughs> uh <laughs> Ellie Ellie,
3: should we tell Claire the naughty joke that we do in our show about feeding a horse oh I mean it's very strong for this time in the morning what do you think yeah so we we do we do a joke in our show about having a Brazilian wax right so having your yeah having a Mm. clear balding um so um very bald very bald underneath um so so our friend said when she had a brazilian wax she let her husband feel what it was like underneath and he said oh when i felt your flaps underneath it was like feeding a horse oh yeah (laughs) i mean in the context of the show it's very funny
1: (laughs)
2: uh-huh And then we had a topic that was a joke about polo mints, but I think, yeah. them, I think you have to be there. It's good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, was a bit early so,
1: no, when are you back on tour? Obviously things have been happening here. I'll definitely So I can come. make sure I'm out
3: of the country. <laughs> I'm never there, there, there. Yeah. Oh, no, we'd
2: absolutely love to have you. We'd
1: love
3: to have you. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're anytime. Back on when are July, hopefully. July. Yeah. yeah. Back on tour. So yeah, it would be fun. We're doing Twickenham uh, in December i don't know if that is oh great no that is and
1: december's better because i'm less busy by december that that'd be fun night out i'd love that
3: oh
2: brilliant all right can have you can have a hot bring everyone bring bring you know i don't know who everyone is but um have have as many tickets as you like we'll just do it for you claire balding we'll just do the whole show just for you. that could be my 50th birthday party
1: as i haven't had one so i could do that and get all my mates fantastic we'll do that brilliant brilliant
2: excellent i can't wait but listen, we're not here to plug our silly old, you know, product. We're here to plug your product, Claire Balding. We're
1: here to plug your children's book. I'm here to save mothers across the land and fathers <laughs> across the world. Now Lovely. your book is
3: called Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going: 10 Ways to Be at the Top of Your Game, and it is a brilliant book. Can is I it? just Have you read it? Can I just start by saying, um, <laughs> I read it by I last night my son was having a tantrum over a video game and he kind of lost it he said i'm no good at this and i said listen i've got this really good book by this woman called claire balding let's sit down and read this together i think this might make you feel better um and we sat down and read it and it it is so good so we read the first chapter and then we skipped to my favorite chapter which is the courage chapter and then my daughter came in who's 12 and a half and I love the fact that you said one of your biggest fears was being left out. Now she's just start at high school, and I think that is her biggest fear. And it is so beautifully written, and it's fun, and it's got amazing illustrations. And they loved hearing about Usain Bolt and Serena Williams. Um, but it was it was just a really magical moment, which I could sit down with my two children and read about. And it, and you've written it so well that it connects with them like it's really honest and and um and it was just such a a, yeah I thank you for writing this book because I think I think especially this year when kids are suffering so badly with mental health issues and and feeling anxious and their world is completely different having a a sort of a book you can dip in and out of as well as read cover to cover which I nearly did off um but you know but I think I think having that um as a resource is just amazing so thank you. Oh well, you honestly
1: that's so kind of you to say because I I'm, I'm you do this you think okay I've got this idea and it took quite a while to find you know Hachette have been really supportive because they got it not everyone did along the way and I said I want to write this book and this is the age group I want to write for which is absolutely that when they're changing schools now sometimes that happens younger than 12 and sometimes it happens at 12 which is why In a way, I think it it suits lots of... It's not so much an age thing. It's a situation. What situation are you in? You might be 16 and changing schools and this would help you. You might be, Mm. you know, 48 and changing jobs and this would help you. But I thought I need to address the things that I know from the kids I've met because I visit a lot of schools and I'd written children's fiction and I talked to a lot of kids and I became really conscious of how insecure they are they're they're really confident about some things and then suddenly you realize the massive insecurity is what do I look like do I fit in what do I need to change about myself to make myself perfect and I'm thinking you don't you don't have to change anything because you don't have to be perfect and and you are allowed to make mistakes and you don't have to be defined by the one big mistake and luckily I've made plenty of mistakes in my life and I made them when I was very young as well as being very old and constantly making mistakes on telly but you know you learn that recovery is the most important thing and looking out for other people is so much more important than looking at yourself and I just you know I I watch it in other in adults as well constantly taking a selfie and I just don't you know I do I do do social media but I just don't do that if you look there are very few if I'm doing a ramblings I take photos of the view I take photos of where I am of the guest I'm with but I'm not in them very often because I'm just not that interested in me being in the shot I don't want to be in the shot I want the view and so that idea of looking outwards and looking out for other people and trying to support them and I always used to um When I went to, you know, in the days when we went to gatherings, um, and in the days, in the old days, when the BBC used to have quite a lot of things for somebody was leaving and you'd go to a big party, and I didn't necessarily know anyone there, there were lots of well-known people, I knew who they were, I realised if you positioned yourself in a room so that you could see everybody, but also you were en route to the loos, for example, and if you just sat there really calmly, people would come and talk to you, and you'd give them a sense of safety because you looked secure, that you weren't trying to flit around. So I, you you kind of work out, almost like playing a game. Where can I be on the pitch that makes me most useful? So I I was saved a bit at school by sport, because when you play sport, you become a position. You become what you contribute to the team rather than just Oh, that's Claire Balding, the one that was suspended for shoplifting. You are, you know, third home. So therefore this is the you know, that's in lacrosse. Um, this is the position you play or in netball, this is the job you do. And you create also events where everybody's involved. So whether it's the travelling to the game or it's what happens in the game or it's the coming home again, you've got this amazing shared experience. And I think sport is about so much more than just playing the game. And I kind of wish I wish there were a bit more I wish there was a bit more creativity on how to involve more kids in sport and not just in the team. That that actually that support network that you see in all professional clubs, you could start to do that with school kids. So someone's in charge of nutrition, someone's in charge of travel, someone's in charge of tactics, you know, someone's in charge of uniform. That actually you involve way more people so you don't get that feeling of sitting on the bench going, Oh, I never get picked. Anyway, lots of things like that that I thought put it into Ten chapters that cover different value or different things that you wish you could master. So patience is your superpower is the first chapter. Courage is a muscle, which Helen New mentioned. The cloak of confidence, that idea that you can put on something, you can become confident because it's a bit of an act, confidence. And, um, you know, the old fake it till you make it, um, that kind of theme. Um, The cake of kindness, that's a chapter about what is kindness, because kids are constantly told, be kind, be kind. Now, that's not just about liking something on on Instagram or, or following someone on Facebook or becoming a Facebook friend or whatever. I don't really understand Facebook, but you know what I mean. It's not that. It's about actually focusing on somebody, listening to them, being there for them, not being distracted by other things, not looking over their shoulder to see if there's a better potential friend around the corner. So those sort of things that I think when you break them down and you give kids practical ways in which how do I deal with this – tips on how if you're going to get anxious how do you cope with it and how do you look at that and I'm a great believer in nerves being a sign that you care about something so if you're nervous about it it's just because you care about the outcome so embrace that that's a good thing it's not a negative thing and it can make your brain work really sharply as well if you're nervous your reactions tend to be quicker anyway so that's that's the idea but obviously I'm you know I have no I have no official training (laughs) (laughs) In, in how to give children advice, but I am a big kid myself, and I always talk to children as if they 're exactly the same you know same as me so so that 's why the language in it is actually quite sophisticated because it 's how i what well, i say quite sophisticated it 's not that sophisticated it 's how I speak
0: mm-hmm. um
1: yeah. and and it'll suit you know different age groups and I think it'll give everyone I like the idea of parents reading it with their kids because I think kids will ask a lot of questions about the people in it and about some of the you know some of the ideas that I cover and, yeah, and
3: so. I, that's what I like. And, and it doesn't feel too overwhelming when you're reading it. You know, you put your, you know, good sort of dot points and then quotes and then, you know, reassuring little cartoons and things like that. And I think that's, I think that's really good. And I, yeah, as I said, I really enjoyed um, reading it with my kids last night. And we like talking about feelings, but also um, I think it's really good to open up and be comfortable talking about failure because I think there has been some kind of cultural shift, especially in the last couple of years, um, with celebrities and people in power, because beforehand you would always read um, autobiographies or things like that about all my successes. But I think the strength now has come from people saying, "No, I fucked up. I failed, um, and this is how I recovered." And, and 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 kind of taking the shame out of that as well, because. And and I do I do love it in the book where you talk where you talk about your dad telling you to fall off a horse a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this can you tell that story? Because I just think that's inc- incredible in terms of what his like the parenting style and, and the way you, de- <laughs> yes. you describe your father. You're like he cut he he put milk in a kettle and boiled it and ruined the kettle. Like I just yeah. love how you've sort of painted this, this picture. Not, we've of your all dad. done. I once put <laughs> a tin
2: of uh, cream of chicken soup in a mini kettle when I was very very hungry. We've all made mistakes, Helen. Let's not you know. Didn't yeah, together come out well i'll tell him
1: about that because he would do that as well um yeah he he you know when me and my brother were little you know we were crazy for for riding and my dad was a racehorse trainer and he had ridden Quite successfully as an amateur jockey, and I think Andrew and I both fancied ourselves as would-be jockeys. You know, and we had dreams of winning. You know, Rachel Blackmore obviously did win the Grand National this year. When I was young, women didn't even ride; or barely rode in it, let alone had a chance of winning it. So I was going to be the first female jockey to win the Grand National. All of that, and he just said, you know, oh, you have to fall off a hundred times to be a proper jockey. And of course, I took him at his word. So I said to Andrew, we, we need to fall off a lot. So we fell off every day, at least five times a day. And the thing is, you, you get really... Can
2: I, I like the idea of like, how do you achieve that though? You're like, right, today we're going to ride on a bouncy castle. Off we go. That will definitely fall off. The... Let's no. go off this cliff. Let's just ride off the cliff. Then we'll fall off.
1: <laughs> but you become really good at falling off. So I just get on my pony and fall off the other side and go, no, that's one for today. And then on and on you go. And you actually relax in your body. So if you if you're looking to make it, so if you said to everybody, right, in broadcasting, you know, it's it's like an adaptation of the ten thousand hour rule. In broadcasting, mm. you've got to make a hundred really big mistakes before you can be before you can present the Today program on Radio Four. Um, you'd go about trying to make mistakes, and actually, you'd laugh about them. It's the attitude to the mistake that that's the thing that gets you through, rather than the mistake. So if you just go, well, this is I'm I'm going to mess this up. Um, It'll be all right. I mean, yesterday, so I was doing women's football yesterday, and we had a really good show. We were doing Champions League, um, Chelsea against Bayern Munich in Germany. But I know that at the end, I was doing an update on the Barcelona PSG game, which was the other semi final, and I got the goal scorers around the wrong way. So I said the Barcelona goal scorer was the wrong was Cook, and the PSG one was Hermosa, Whichever way I said it was the wrong way around. I knew it. Came off air, and I was like, literally, it was the only thing I could think about. So I can't believe I messed that up. <laughs> and the two, Rachel and Karen, who were working with me, just went, "What are you on about?" No one will know. So I said, "Yeah, but I know, and you know, and it, and and I know that I got that wrong. I'll never make that mistake again. I know I won't. I'll just, and I shouldn't have made it. But I, and I still, so I still get bothered by things that I got wrong, and I'll come off air on anything and go, "Why did I say that?" You know, I'll do a six hour broadcast, most of which is fine. And I'll have got one thing wrong. And my, you know, whoever's, whichever channel I'm doing it for, the boss will ring and say, oh, well done. That was all great. And I'll say, no, but I got this wrong. I I was working on the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral. I know that there there were mistakes in the actual, um, you know, timings didn't go as they were meant to. So they arrived for the minute silence early and I thought we were ready for the minute silence and we weren't. So I looked at the clock and thought, hang on no, we've got a whole another minute here. I need to talk on. So I did. And then I didn't crash the minute silence as it happened. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't uh, do that. But uh, there was my so bum hole just clenched very, very tightly. No, uh, I didn't. No, nor did I speak over a national anthem. I didn't do, do anything that, that you would have noticed but I know I so you would have
2: done that's exactly the sort of thing <laughs> would have done. That is, we would totally have talked over the, the minutes I'd probably yeah. done a badge joke yeah sorry anyway
1: <laughs> but there are so many things I could have done better and Ooh. therefore you know you you kind of just constantly go right I can improve on that I can improve on that I can improve on that and in some walks of life so in acting every performance an actor gives on stage they will come off and say to the director what are my notes? And they will be prepared for the notes. And the notes are always, we this, this and this, I need you to do that differently next time. Same thing with a sports person. Every training session, every match, everything they do, they come off and go, well, you know, what's the feedback? And be prepared for the positive, as it were, constructive criticism. And I just think in loads of other walks of life, we're not prepared for that. Mm. You know, and people are frightened to give us f- fair feedback. And And I'm just not sure that we're, Something's changed, and I don't know why. Because I think we should be open to constructive criticism, and everybody's just seeking adulation, and that doesn't help you. That that's not that's not going to make you better.
2: Do you mm. think we should be doing that with our kids, though? Because that feels like quite a strong thing to say. That maybe we should be saying, giving our kids more feedback on their performance, whether it's at school or or their behaviour or whatever.
1: Well, Ellie, I wouldn't presume to tell you how to parent your children, but what? Oh, do please, you... please help me. <laughs> What what do you do?
2: Um, I try to do the sort of the, the, the fashionable liberal parent thing, which is to try and um, praise the good stuff and praise it with specifics. Because I've read stuff about, don't just go, that's a nice picture. You're supposed to go, oh, I like this bit of it to show that you're paying attention. Um, but I struggle with, yes, then finding a balance of kind of, I don't want to be a tiger mum, but I do want to help them improve. And I do want them to, you know, to give them honest, good feedback. But I probably, probably I err on the side of just being nice, to be honest. And I'm, and after listening to you, TV's Claire Baldning, I'm questioning that as a strategy.
1: <laughs> well, it's not, I don't, and, and and I don't give any parenting advice in this at all, because this isn't aimed at parents, it's aimed at kids. So it's more for them to look at what mm. they do and how they do it. And actually, there isn't any, you know, look at something and say, could I do it better? There's not that, because that sounds a bit didactic. But it is, you, you know, if if you didn't get it quite right, if it didn't get top marks, then don't, don't worry about that. But look at how, you, you know, I do think there's a bit of, in all of us, I think we've, we've, and maybe I was educated this way. Maybe it was my parents. Maybe, I don't know. But I'm constantly looking at how do I improve? I never mm. think it's good enough. I never walk away going, Well that was brilliant. Aren't I fantastic? I always walk away going, Oh jeez. Mm. You know, come on, get you're meant to be yeah. good at this, get better.
2: When I first started stand up and I'm not saying I think this is insane, but I found an old notebook a while ago and I used to do stand up, I used to record every single five minute gig I ever did and then I used to listen back to them and then I used to, after each I had like a table in my notebook and I would like mark myself with ticks or crosses for like the the gags that didn't land and the bigger laughed got a tick and a clap got two ticks and all of that. And I look back on that and go, that's mental, but did it make
1: me a better comedian? I don't know. Well, it's it's quite good analysis though, because you you know, how else are you meant to work out what, what works, you you, you know, and that is what that's a really, I think that's a really good system. And I think that's pretty bold actually because that is a way of you're not being harsh on yourself but you're just going okay and why didn't that joke work because if it's a joke you really like and and it and you know it should work it's it's finding a way or maybe it will work in some countries and not in others you know when you're on your world tour
2: yeah yeah
3: yeah and it's interesting like um, when we do our gigs in London and when we do them out of London, like London audiences can literally go to a 100 different things that night. And so you feel like you have to really earn the laughs there. Like there's a little bit of like, come on, I could do anything else tonight. And then you go out of London and people are like, you came! You came and saw me! And so there's a, there's a really different energy in terms of, yeah audiences where you are what night of the week it is that sort of thing and like we now no longer do Sunday and Monday nights because people are in a different headspace they're not out to party they're not they're not having a night off you know they've had to sort of drag themselves away from the laundry and you know child responsibilities and things like that to go out but you know on a Thursday night you can almost eat the energy you know you're backstage and you've got the nerves and you can hear people wanting to have a good time.
1: You've also got to realize that some days you're not going to be flying you just it's going to be good because your base level's got to be good but it's not always going to be an award-winning night and and being able to still entertain people when you're not on award winning form or still make them feel comfortable still make them want to watch or want to listen that's quite important too that there's a you know you're looking for a level of consistency that is more than acceptable and you're hopefully going to have the occasional you know this is great actually that felt fantastic you come off flying and Mm. you're going to have the occasional night when things don't work for sure Mm. and and how to just give yourself you know not be too hard on yourself on the down days but also not to be too high when it's when it's great um because knowing that it's that doesn't always last and it's fantastic to know that it can be like that and and also your base level your consistent level has got to make you happy that, mm. that you really enjoy that—that that it's really you go. Yeah, I did a good job today.
2: I um, didn't. Claire, you know,
1: do you yeah. do you think you could? Come on tour with us and just give us a little pet
2: talk before each show, and then after each show, what we do do is we go for a curry with my dad, who's oh, our lady or John, or um, Helen's brother, John, if he's But if it's my dad, um, he's he's an old ex comedian as well, so he likes to give us a little uh, post match analysis. And I'm just thinking, you and Dad, I think you could really take our career to the next level. But i but
1: I'm also really positive as um. So I'm a nightmare to live with for Alice, who's just perfectly sensible and cynical about life. As me bouncing around going, yeah, great, so and so's lovely, oh, they're so nice. Oh, yeah, let's, play. when we're playing golf, I'm constantly going, oh, great shot, that was really good. Oh, <laughs> so good, keep going, all of that. So, driver, nuts, like, just
3: shut up i'm, I'm, I'm a bit wall. like that I, I i get a bit giggly about everything i just i'm just like i'm just happy to be alive you know exactly. i've got that sort of i'm like yeah. oh wow i've got friends oh my god we're, we're having lunch because we're, <laughs> yeah. we're dogs helen we're dogs in
1: life we are dogs we are yes. the labrador going yay great oh it was so nice to see you and, yeah. and Alice and others and Ellie might be and like this Ellie, as well. Like a, I think Ellie's cat.
3: She's a yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah. She goes. I hate cats.
1: Yeah. No, no. Yeah. But it's not to do. You don't have to like cats. Of course, you hate cats. You hate everyone. You, <laughs> <like cats. laughs> you know. You just go. I'm not really that bothered. Can I? Can I? You know. So you're pleased to see me. Yeah. Great. Yeah, well, here's a life lesson for
2: you. Here's a life lesson for you, Claire Balding. If Helen is talking about a film she's seen that you haven't seen and she says, yeah, it's really good. It's quite good. It's quite good. She's not amazing. She goes, it's quite good. Cross it off your list. It's <laughs> fucking awful. There you go.
0: <laughs> if she says it's
2: the best thing she's literally ever seen, it might be all right. Have you, seen,
1: have you seen Promising Young Woman? The no, movie. it's on my oh, list, though. It is phenomenal. And, and I don't right. over-exaggerate. is so good. Mm, I'm that contradicts what you've
2: just said. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> quite it's, good. It's quite good. No, it's really, right. really good. Great performance from her, but it's just so... Be- I mean, Emerald Fennell has done such a good job with it. It's so clever. Mm, Excellent.
2: I, I will put that on my list and now, because it's quite empty, because I've crossed off quite a lot recently. <laughs> anyway... um listen i am aware we we have limited time obviously claire because you have to go to ascot or something um oh, okay. ascot, sorry I'm going, I'm, going, I'm going just trying to,
1: to i'm going to go and persuade my local waterstons to put my book in the window <laughs> 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 and then you obviously yeah put it Please? in the window <laughs> I walk past all the time. Why isn't it in the window?
2: I was just trying to paint a picture of your glamorous celebrity life. I thought, you know, just hanging picked up in a carriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pop over to LA for a cocktail with Snoop Dogg. I don't know what your life's like, Claire. Anyway, so um, shall we? Uh, we we do like to end the podcast um, with Scummy Mummy's confessions. And this this episode, we
3: have a sponsor, don't we, Helen Thorne for the we, confessions? We do have a sponsor. Our sponsor this. This episode, I was going to say this month, this, this episode is wild deodorant, Ellie, mm. which is a natural deodorant that actually works. I'm sure you're very much into deodorants, Claire, being a sports lady.
1: I am yeah, all over deodorants. Yeah. Let's make it chatty. All over deodorants, very important, correct.
3: Oh, I love it. And this one, look, I, I've got it here. I mean, for the listener, obviously. It, it, I, I've got a personalised purple. Oh, um. look at that. It's got my name mm. on it. But it. Is a. It's, is it a roller? Yeah, yeah, it's a roll-on. It oh, it's And one it of those. smells... It smells really good because I've used natural deodorants before because I'm, you know, obviously a great humanitarian and environmentalist. Who stinks, yes. <laughs> but I've ha- I've used crystals. I've used sort oh, of no. ones that don't have aluminium in it, which this one doesn't, and this is all recyclable and things. Um, but I have done that thing where I've gone, oh, no, I'll just rub a bit of, like, eucalyptus oil on my pits and then go on out for a run. I'm like, oh, no, 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 it does not work. But this is this one actually does, which is great. So I've used that, and I'm just about... After this podcast, I'm going to go do some weightlifting. So I won't, I'll smell nice and yeah. lift heavy weight, which is very good. Good. Yeah, so it is, I've used it as well. So it is all eco
2: and plastic-free and all of that, and re, you can get refills for it, so you don't have to keep buying a new packet. I'm, hoping, and...
1: I'm just checking to remember. I'm checking to see whether I actually put deodorant on. <laughs> yes, I do. Give yourself a quick, quick before I go stuff. off to Before I go off to the bookshop, I don't want to scare them by, you know, no, being whiffy. No, no no exactly yeah. right
2: and and i was i was i was you'll be amazed to to hear this claire even though you've only known me for about 40 minutes i was quite skeptical uh, oh, i was yeah. quite cynical <laughs> yeah shocking isn't it yeah. about whether this would actually work but it's blooming brilliant i've been using it every day and from i do i do quite a lot of running i don't know how to talk about it i do a lot of running and uh, it works for that as well so wild deodorant um, and if you go to wearewild.com and use the code scummy That's scummy. Claire's writing it down. You will get 20% off with the code scummy. So done, done the admin for the deodorant. It's scummy mummies confessions, Claire. So this is where we share a story of, it can be parenting failure, it can be personal humiliation, uh, just general sort of embarrassment. Um, Helen, I believe you have one to kick us off.
3: I do so my daughter Matilda and my son Hugo have singing lessons and because of the pandemic they have been doing it online on Zoom and their lovely teacher Anna was giving them a lesson the other day and they were doing their breathing techniques to warm up and she's like "Go breathe in breathe out and it was all very silent and I was standing in the kitchen and I just let off the biggest fart I have like 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 it was like a round of applause, and I thought it was just gonna be a silent one and <laughs> and the poor siggy teacher absolutely lost it none of us could none of us could contain ourselves with the laughter and we all yeah we were crying we were laughing and my 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 children yelled up "Mummy, that wasn't very musical (laughs) so yeah so don't fart during your children's singing lesson that would be my top tip it's gonna be like
1: a timpani
3: it was it was very much or a very big tuba Um, (laughs) yeah or a trombone a bass trombone it had it had a lot of uh yeah a lot of resonance Ellie, Excellent. have you got? Have, Thank you got you. have you have you got
2: one? I guess on a related note, um, I was talking about because weren't you saying, Helen? This was after you had a wax as well. Yes, so... yes,
3: yeah. I had I had my fanny wax the week before because obviously you know just keep it nice down there and farts <laughs> farts sound. So much louder when you're bald, um, because it's just like listening to two fish being slapped together. There's not a lot of muffling of of the sound. So yeah, hmm. yeah. And I've got a lot lot louder since since getting sexy. And um, I was telling, I was talking to Pete about this and my
2: husband, and he was saying, "Oh, um, but how come?" I said, "You know, how come?" I don't seem to have that muffled effect. I've never waxed my bum hole. And, yet, and, and he was like, yes, and yours sound like a sort of kazoo at a children's party. Uh, and I was like, good, well, that means I'm sexier, doesn't it? And he was like, hmm. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> naturally, naturally bald. Um, speaking of which, Claire Balding, um, do you have a scummy mummy confession... <laughs>
3: Are, no, where, where on you those lines,
2: no. <laughs> not not asking not asking to share no, what state no. your rectal hair is in simply asking if you have it could be about i don't know a funny a funny day at the beach i don't know anything really
1: bad parenting though it's based on bad parenting it could it could be it could
2: be it could be dog related it could be a funny thing that happened at work it could I be i don't
1: have children obviously but i do have cats which mm. you hate, Ellie. So, so you know, I, I you love don't hate fun. yours personally. No, but they've started. <laughs> they've cats. started fighting occasionally, and Alice thinks that Eric, who's the son, is baiting his mother. And I just think Eric can do no wrong, so I'm totally on his side. And it's all Button's fault because she's being aggressive. So I, <laughs> but he. Is, so this isn't really an embarrassing story at all. It's just a real sign that I should never have children, because I would so take my favourites, and also. I'm terrified of them going out, so they don't. They don't really go out because either, you know, when Button was entire, I was frightened that she'd either get stolen, raped, or run over, or in a fight with another cat. So that's my baseline. Is if I had children, they'd never be allowed out. <laughs> I'm not, I think this is a very good thing that I am an auntie <laughs> and a godmother and not yeah. a parent, and that's my because I can't do it. I get I would be terrified all the time. Well, I wouldn't. I, I mean, think and then I... I'd do crazy things with them that have no you know, no boundaries, I'd be... <laughs> You'd push them off a horse a hundred times. <laughs> I would. And also, they're not allowed to win unless they deserve to win. That was my dad's other oh, rule. So we'd have running races on the lawn and, you, you know, he'd sit sort of just behind me and my brother who were running full pelt and then just cruise past us to win. I was like, well, what? What? I thought I was going to win that Well, Clearly you're not going to win it yet, are you? You can't win. And he'd also, when we played, he was quite a good tennis player and he had this wicked... Out swinging serve and there was a wall on the edge of the you, you know so tennis court fencing around and there was this wall that you could practice and hit against to warm up and he would basically serve so that we ran and hit the wall <laughs> so that's so i'm sharing my dad's parenting yes. rather yes. than yeah. mine because i obviously only have animals yeah fall off <laughs> things and
3: run into things and, and run and into don't walls win. and yeah. you'll
1: survive <laughs> it'll be fine <laughs>
3: I mean, he made a clearly amazing successful woman so you know you can't you can't knock his um methods There you, well, go. you can
1: actually <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can you
1: can certainly make fun of them and not advise others to follow
2: behind every great great woman is a man giving them a difficult childhood that's how the story goes <laughs> isn't it that's
1: well um i
2: think
3: i think we're we're near there so your book claire do you want to plug it one more time no fall off get back on keep going available at all good bookshops including waterstones and chiswick and online and i can't recommend it enough it was it's 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 a hug of a book and um it's got such wise and um wonderful advice so thank you for writing it Claire. and i'm sure parents throughout the land will be thanking you uh when they buy it
1: and if it's not in the window of your local bookshop go in and ask why put it there
2: yes and thank you very much for coming on the podcast Claire. it's been so lovely to have you and we are big fans and we um i have to say do you do you, do you know that you're in the first chapter of the alan partridge book nomad am i yes, yes. in a nice way he describes you in a very flattering way he, he describes seeing you coming out of broadcasting house or the, or the langley i think and uh and he said, he describes your luxuriant uh yeah. barnet yes mm. which but you, you see know... isn't
1: that lucky isn't that lucky that actually i do have a lot of hair given my yeah. journey <laughs>
2: But as he says balding by name not by nature oh. so it's good to see that confirmed so um yes it's, it's lovely to see it sort of in the flesh even on the well Zoom.
1: richard madeley's got good hair as well and i look forward to hearing him on your podcast oh uh-huh. that, that's would your love challenge
2: that. I would okay love that we will do that claire balding because yes, we, we, we want to please you <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Please come to all of our shows and tell us how to do them. Please will be there. Come, Aldi, We I'll love be there. you so as, much. As
1: Alice says, are you offering unwanted advice again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, we're, we're, we're
2: here for it. We're here for it. We're here for it all day. Oh, Claire, it was so lovely to, to see you and thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, our, go to com if you want to buy tickets for our show. Go to com if you want to buy one of our t-shirts or gin mugs or whatever we Come and join us in,
1: in Twickenham for a party. Woohoo.
2: Yes, come and see us with Claire in Twickers and, and uh, yes, thank you very much, Claire. You're All right. welcome. Until Bye. next
3: time. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, else. I'm a
1: Scorpio um, and,
3: and oh, Australian. Oh, you're a
1: Scorpio. Oh, Alice yes. is a Scorpio. My dad is a Scorpio too.
3: Excellent, excellent breed. Um, Liz- I'm a <laughs>
1: rational person, so I don't even know what my
2: star sign is. So <laughs> there no, we are.
1: No, that's, yeah, many people would say that, Ellie, but I haven't asked you
0: yet.